0: Welcome to Caregiver and Physician Conversations, sponsored by eCareDiary.com. I'm your host, Marjorie Pax. Please visit my website at mycaregivingcoach.com, where you'll find additional caregiver resources for your personal well-being and advocacy. For archives of this show, uh, and today's included, you'll find those archives on my uh, website, as well as on eCareDiary.com. So if you have some friends, you hear us today, you hear our guests, you want to hear, listen back, or you want some friends to have a listen, you can go to those archives. The purpose of our show is to provide information and dialogue between physicians, caregivers, and patients. And today I am just thrilled to be joined by Dr. Mark Agronin, the author of How We Age. He is the medical director for mental health and clinical research at Miami Jewish Health Systems. Dr. Agronin was also recently the keynote speaker at the Arts and Wellness Symposium held at the University of Central Florida in Orlando. Dr. Agronin's perspective on aging, caregiving, and quality of life gives us all hope for a positive and creative future. So welcome, Dr. Mark Agronin.
1: Thank you so much. It's really wonderful to be here on such an important program. Great.
0: Thank you. Well, let's begin with your perspective on aging. Now that I've mentioned that you provide a hopeful um, attitude about aging and why it's, uh, we have so much to live for, so, provide us with your, your perspective um, as it differs from what many people think about and perhaps even dread as they age.
1: Well, on the one hand, given what I do, you might not expect that I would talk about hope and about positive aging because, as a geriatric psychiatrist um, who sees individuals with an average age of around 90, People don't come to me because they're doing well. They come to me because they have problems, often very severe problems, whether it's Alzheimer's disease or severe depression or the two in combination. Uh, People come to me when they're really ailing and when their caregivers are ailing too. But what I've seen from working with people, number one, is that just as we face challenges as we get older and we face declines in certain aspects of our physical being, and in terms of our cognitive capacities, we also gain strengths uh, across so many different fronts in terms of wisdom and creativity, in terms of our emotional stability. And these strengths can be enhanced, leveraged, they can rule the day. And when you see that, you realize that we all not only have great potential for growth and uh, development as we get older, even in the setting of illness, but we're able to transcend so many of the limitations that we imagine as we get older. And when you put this together and when you see individuals, whether they're 70, 80, 90, or 106, which I've had before, you see this amazing capacity to get better, to grow, to change, to adapt. And this should give everyone hope about getting older.
0: Well, that's great. And so you really build on strengths. And uh, that's a wonderful message for caregivers, too, because I think when caregivers uh, can look for and build on the strengths of their loved ones, then that certainly is going to make for more quality days for those caregivers as well.
1: That's true. At the end of the day, It is about what's working, what the connections are, what those strengths are. We we tend to get too focused and at times overwhelmed by the problems at hand, and that's not surprising, and and that is really why we need other individuals to step in and help, not just loved ones but professionals as well and volunteers in the community. Uh, There's so much that can be done regardless of age, regardless of the situation, to help, it's really a matter of whether we're able to bring those elements to bear on the situation. Uh, for me, that applies in situations where people are ill and they're struggling. But even in general, if you look at all of us as we get older and wonder, how am I going to continue working or doing lots of the things I love to do, uh, we have to realize that there's so many different possibilities um, that lie in front of us, and so many individuals who are good guides for us as well. Yes, exactly.
0: Uh, It's so interesting you say that. I had lunch with an older friend yesterday, and uh, she is not able to drive anymore. And yet the whole conversation, uh, as she was reporting it to me, was about all the things that she is so Happy for in her life, she's got a driving service that drives her various places and and in her words, that gives her time to to do more uh, for uh, philanthropic purposes rather than drive mm-hmm. and, and she saw real potential in all what some might think of as downsides you know she can 't drive anymore, but yet the upside is well, i've got time. I could read a magazine or I could make a phone call or I could, you know, do something philanthropic for somebody. So I think that really illustrates exactly what you're saying.
1: It's such a perfect illustration and it's a wonderful model for other people to follow because for some, for a different person, they would have looked at that loss of driving as a terrible sign of aging, as a great loss. And look, here's someone who very easily just takes a different perspective on it and it opens up new doors for her. And that's, that's really wonderful to see because what one person paints as a catastrophe, another looks as an, opp- looks as an opportunity. And, uh, you know, those opportunities are what brings us into the future and, and uh, enables us to adapt and to change.
0: Yes, exactly. Well, um, I've read most of your book, your latest book called How We Age. Why don't you tell our audience what prompted you to write it?
1: I love the stories that people tell me. I love their history, their background. Uh, I'm fascinated fascinating hearing about all the world events that they've encountered and how they've experienced it, how they adapted to it. Our past history, you can only get firsthand from our oldest generation. And once they're gone, you can read about it. But when you hear about it, it's a, it's a different story. It's also inspiring to hear how people have... Faced challenges and how they were able to get through it. And over time, after hearing so many of these stories, and and when I think about aging, I think about the people I've worked with, I think think about their their stories and their narrative. Uh, I really felt compelled to start writing about it. And columns I wrote and different pieces built into this book, which talks about the aging process, but through the lens of these stories of people I've worked with and some really extraordinary individuals that I interviewed along the way, and uh, so the book, on the one hand, gives you a very scientific and technical perspective on aging and on mental illness in late life, but it does so in a very narrative way, and it ends up giving a more hopeful perspective, a more positive perspective on some of the biggest challenges that people face. Yes,
0: exactly. Well, you know, as I've been reading your book, uh, the other thing that if my parents were still alive, I would seek them out to ask them to tell me even more stories. I did you know, get many stories from them before they're passing. But this book really illustrates the the importance of story. And I think caregivers who read it, and if if you still have your parents, uh, for those of you listening to us, story is such an important thing to know how our parents and grandparents and so on lived their lives and met challenges. So your book has really inspired me to think about, okay, let's encourage Caregivers and others to get those stories while they can.
1: And one thing I found is that sometimes it's it's a story, it's a it's a recipe, it's a single memory, but very very simple, but extraordinarily powerful experiences that guide us throughout our lifetime. When we think about aging, we often think about older relatives, and it might be something again very simple but very powerful, um, a recipe. Uh, that was passed along through the generations, or a story that 's very symbolic of of a message or moral that someone wanted to convey to us and if if we lose that, we lose our past, but we also it affects our future because these individuals are, are guides for us you know as everyone gets older, eventually, we have no choice but we lose our parents, we lose our grandparents, and best to Acquire and preserve as much of that connection of wisdom as, as we can when we're younger. It really makes a difference as we get older then.
0: Yes, indeed. You, um, I was intrigued. Uh, you make the distinction between imagined and experienced, as you refer to these stories and older people uh, in your book. Could you explain that?
1: Well, uh, in terms of what we face and experience in day-to-day life, um, you know, it, it shapes us in very direct ways. Um, how we cope, how we prepare, is where imagination comes into play, uh, especially with individuals who are facing memory impairment, because uh, the ability to imagine, the, the ability to create, doesn't often, de- doesn't always depend on short-term memory. It's a skill that is very resistant and that can transcend some of the losses that we face. And so it allows us to, in some ways, put on wings and be able to get through certain situations or repair relationships or build new opportunities later in life that maybe we find more difficult to do uh, when we have to face it initially. Yeah. and that's a lot of the work that I do with older individuals is trying to uh, tap into their imagination, try to jumpstart creativity, because that allows them to make change. I think where some people get stuck is they have a hard time uh, letting go of some aspects of either their past or their previous routines, and they can, and they're unwilling or unable to adapt and change to newer situations. All of us face change throughout our lifetime, Uh, especially in today's world with technology racing so much. uh, You can be 30 and already you have to talk to someone who's 15 or 16 to understand, you know, what some of the newest technology is that's going on. Uh, All the more reason why we have to immerse ourselves into, you know, intergenerational relationships, learning new things, and being willing to take some risks and to make changes as we move forward.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like um, what you've just described, those are the ingredients, uh, the ability to imagine and take risks and make changes. Those are the ingredients for successfully aging.
1: I think Uh, so. I think so. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of different – if you look at some of the studies, I think two very powerful things emerge. On the one hand, individuals who tend to be more thoughtful, more conscientious – over time do better because they they attend to all the important things. Someone who is more of a risk taker, who uh, is a little more reckless perhaps, who who is not as concerned about things, uh, you know, sometimes they don't attend to all the health issues and safety issues that they need to. Uh, So that's an important aspect, but we can't allow that to make us too rigid. The other element that emerges is our ability to make new changes and new starts, and creativity is one of the main components to that. It's wonderful when you see older individuals studying a new language, taking a new uh, art uh, course or learning something completely new later in life because that's how they make change and that's how they find meaning in all the new opportunities rather than only getting caught up in some of the losses that we face.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, for the listeners, I've heard Dr. Agronin speak, and you ask a very simple question of the audience early on in uh, some of your presentations. And you say, uh, well, do you make better decisions now, meaning you know, people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and so on, than you did when you were, say, 20s and 30s? And the audience always laughs, Dr. Agronin, because it's so obvious to them that they've really acquired much better decision-making skills as they age.
1: I I find it's a perfect way to prove to people that there are things that they gain (laughs) when they get older. And I follow up, I I emphasize the point that, you know, when you're 60 or 70, you don't get a letter in the mail telling you that you're done learning or you're done growing. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen when you're 80 or when you're 90. And when we look at it from that perspective, it should give all of us a reason for hope, and reason to know that uh, there, life is very long, and there's so much that we can do and explore. Uh, we just have to uh, take the initiative to do so.
0: Yes, exactly. So you've uh, you've mentioned caregivers a couple of times, as have I. And so let's uh, let's just delve into. Well, now what does all this imply and, and apply? How does this all uh, imply for caregivers? And, and what can caregivers do to think about themselves and their loved ones um, day to day? Uh, what are some kind of key things they can think about um, to increase the quality of their life and really create a more hopeful sense of promise with themselves and their loved ones?
1: Sure. Caregiving is really tough. It's not something that we choose to do. We don't plan to be a caregiver, uh, but it happens. And uh, it happens when you have a loved one, uh, especially either a parent or a spouse, who either gets ill physically or develops uh, something like Alzheimer's disease, and they need help. They need assistance. And uh, until you're in the situation, sometimes you don't realize the fervor that you bring to it. But even under the best of circumstances, it can be exhausting and it can be overwhelming. And so caregivers have to take care of themselves, and that will make them better caregivers. So how do they do that? Uh, Number one is make sure you have help and make sure you have resources. You absolutely cannot do it alone. You also have to take care of yourself. So I tell caregivers you have to continue doing things that you enjoy. If it means you're away from the person that you're tending to, that's okay. Okay. Uh, if if it's a matter of taking trips, visiting children or grandchildren, whatever's involved, it will help you feel better. The caregivers who really struggle are those that are so, their attachment is almost too much and they feel guilty or nervous when they're not completely immersed in caregiving. It's a recipe for an amazing caregiver, but one who also can get burnt out really quickly and become overwhelmed very quickly. So part of what we do at our memory center here at to where I work at Miami Jewish Health Systems is to provide a lot of caregiver support, uh, either through groups, through counseling. We're working on uh, caregiver boot camp to teach people, people skills on, on what they're doing. Um, when you have that built in, you have a network of individuals to help you. Uh, it really can take uh, something enormously stressful and make it less stressful and at times even give you a sense of of meaning and purpose through it.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, And, you know, you and I are involved in the arts and wellness and so on as well. And you mentioned the arts earlier, Dr. O'Gran, and why do you think, what is the special quality that the arts hold for caregivers and their loved ones. What is the value there? Why does this work so well?
1: The arts bring us to a whole new place. Uh, It inspires us. It soothes us and calms us. It fires our imagination. I think the arts, regardless of the form of it, whether it's music or theater or visual arts, it... Really speaks to our our highest calling as as humans, and uh, when when you experience it, uh, you see the power with it, and especially when you participate in it, uh, one of the most wonderful experiences is working with individuals who have cognitive impairment in creative activities because you see the strengths really sing mm-hmm. um, and uh, regardless of. Of who you are, what your background is, the arts can speak to everyone
0: yes, and uh you you in your book, you write about the promise and potential uh that exists with memory loss that that you go to a whole can go to a whole nother imaginative place and um and that the arts, as you mentioned just now, the arts really fire that imagination that is still certainly there, even with somebody who has memory loss.
1: And that's true. Uh, one of the biggest struggles that caregivers face is what to do with someone during the day who has memory yeah. impairment if they can't be involved in things they were once before. There's such a sense of, of grief sometimes that they that you can't interact with them in the same way or they can't do the things they used to love that sometimes it leads people to get up, to give up or to get very depressed. And this is where the arts can come in because I've seen individuals with severe dementia have someone guide them into painting and make incredible works of art. I've seen individuals who barely can speak, and yet they can sing and participate, whether it's in a choir, at a, at a religious service, or in a sing-along. And it gives them joy. It gives them a, a feeling of who they are as a person, and uh, it really elevates everyone around them.
0: Yeah, Um I was recently at a, a caregiving conference uh, for an agency called Share the Care here in town, and we had uh, caregivers uh, work with journaling. And uh, just writing down your frustrations, <laughs> and there were many of them, as you say, it's a, it's a tough role, but to just write down the frustrations seemed to give people an incredible relief. You could just see on their faces, their eyebrows lifted up, there. Faces. It was almost like their whole body just kind of became more erect. They were. They were. Um, this this sense of relief uh, came over them just after having written a poem about their current life. Um, pretty amazing.
1: It's a, it is amazing when you see that, and yeah. uh, I think I think without seeing that sometimes we almost don't believe it, and right. it does it does take convincing for individuals at least yeah. to try something once. But uh, once once they experience that, it's, uh, it's amazing the difference it can yes. make.
0: Well, our listeners have uh, heard Gay Hanna, who is from the National Center for Creative Aging, and uh, Dr. O'Granin and I are affiliated with that agency. And uh, uh, Dr. Hannah has spoken about the caregiver toolkit. Um, for those of you listening, it isn't, quite done yet, but it is coming, and relatively soon. We will keep you updated on that. It will be uh, user-friendly things you can do at home. As Dr. O'Connor mentioned, it's that void during the day when you're not quite sure what next to do with your loved one uh, to keep them engaged. And so we'll we'll keep you updated on that. Um, So... This is this is a kind of a big question, but I want your observations on this. Um, we recently had an arts and wellness symposium here at the University of Central Florida, and uh, Dr. Agronin spoke. And I just was curious about your observations. There were so many different people in the audience, from caregivers, uh, faith agencies, arts organizations, the hospitals here in town, and. What was it that you, why do you think they all came to this? What, it, what kind of uh, fired their imagination, shall we say?
1: Well, uh, everyone has loved, loved ones, coworkers, family members who are aging. Everyone is concerned about how they're going to face it as they get older. But I think at the same time, we're, we have a generation coming up that is that are activists. And they want aging to be what, what they want it to be, uh, which is perfect. because
0: Exactly. <laughs> uh,
1: because aging will be, to a large extent, what we make of it, how we imagine it, what we're going to create as we get older. It's not, We're not just throwing our hands to fate. I mean, obviously, we all know we age and, and eventually we die, but... Uh, there's a lot of time and a lot of space, uh, you know, before that happens, and, and along the aging process, and we have a lot of control over it. And so I see people wanting to seize that and get involved, and that's wonderful. Uh, I feel the same way in my work. Uh, I'm often asked, is it difficult? Is it depressing working with older people who are so ill? I find the opposite. I find it's inspiring. I learn lessons every day about how to live my life now and how to live it in the future. And I think that's where some of the excitement came in. At the same time, people are committed to the arts, and the arts are, uh, allow us to elevate all of these experiences. And you could see during that conference when poems were read, when there was a dance performance, how everyone was just so engaged with it and so inspired by it.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, thank you for that. Um, yes. Yeah. I I see the same thing, and you even, in answering a question during that conference, you pointed out that the baby boomers, of which there are many of us, will certainly make a difference because, as you point out, they've always done things. We've always done things differently. We've always looked at the opportunities and, or not always, but mostly at opportunities and potential, and it's going to hold true for aging as well. And um, I just love the fact that you keep bringing in the word imagine. I mean, if there's one thing uh, for people to take away today, it's that whole concept of imagining what something can be, and that's part. That's the biggest part of the battle, I think, in terms of looking at how to how to age gracefully and better.
1: It's true. You need a game plan, and it has to be a positive game plan. And this is where people come in to help. You don't want to get too caught up in, in only looking at the downside and the negative. And this, for me, has been one of the, the best lessons that I've had.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, um I want to encourage our readers to uh, look up Dr. Agronin's book, How We Age, and tell us how listeners can find your books. Uh, my guess is there are a variety of ways to access
1: your book sure the easiest way is to just go on to amazon.com and if you type in either how we age or better yet just type in my last name agronin a-g-r-o-n-i-n uh it will the book will pop right up it's easy to find and you can order it through there i also have a website www.markagronin.com which is m-a-r-c-a-g-r-o-n-i-n and that tells not only how to order the book it shows other books that i've written Uh, for uh, professionals, and uh, has access to lots of different articles and blogs that I've written about aging issues as well.
0: Great.